so very much. Great blessing. Enjoyed the music all day today. Thank you so much for that. If you grab your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1, if you'll uh, find your place there. And uh, looking forward to tonight, and actually next Sunday too, and just uh, reflections on Christmas in different ways, and just to bear out some things. And so tonight's message is simply entitled this, God's Best Sunrise, God's Best Sunrise. Many of you here may enjoy sunrises and being able to see different ones in different locales and uh, um, locations there. God's Best Sunrise. There's a quote that I came across this week, and uh, I think it is a challenging quote. I think it's a good quote to to really um, challenge us about our perspective of looking at Christmas, kind of from a different perspective, we could put it this way. Here's what the quote says. It said this, Christmas is the end of thinking you are better than someone else, because Christmas is telling you that you could never get to heaven on your own. God had to come to you. I like that statement. It is telling you that people who are saved are, are not those who have arisen through their own ability to be what God wants them to be. Salvation comes to those who admit how weak they are, how incapable. It's a great statement. It's a good challenge for you and I. It's Christmas should really honestly remind us of how helpless we were and are without Jesus Christ. Could I ask you tonight a simple question? Would you think about it? Where do you feel the most helpless? Where is it and in what situation do you feel the most helpless? I think one of the places that I have felt the most helpless, and I think I've mentioned it before, is there was an occasion where we had an opportunity as a family to go down to, I believe it was Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we uh, took a hike or a tour of a cave. As we went into this cave, it was, uh, it was an off time, and so there weren't many people there. It was just us, I think, in a tour, maybe another couple or something like that. And so we went into this, and we had a few flashlights. They had some lights uh, there in that cave. And uh, at one point, we got to a section of the cave where um, the tour guide stopped us. He was talking about some things. And in that location, they, they didn't have many lights within the... In fact, I don't think they had any in that room of the cave and so forth. And so we were using some flashlights, I believe. And so... I remember correctly. And as they did, the tour guide said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn off our lights. And uh, if they had lights in the room, he was going to turn those off in addition to flashlights and things like that. And uh, I remember uh, the preparation of that. I I remember at least one of our kids, uh, they had a flashlight and they were like, I ain't turning it off. Mm -mm." (laughs) You can imagine scared of the dark, right? No way. I ain't turning that off. And yeah, and I understand that, completely understand that, right? Because when we turned off all the lights and tour guide turned off his light and we turned off all the flashlights, I'm telling you, it was as dark as we would, we would say dark as midnight, right? It, is, it, was dark. it was the darkness that you could feel. It was heavy. It was just there. And I remember feeling very helpless. And I think the tour guide even said, wave your hand in front of your face. I mean, you, you can see anything. There was no shadows of anything. I mean, there was absolutely no light. And you're talking about feeling helpless, like, you couldn't take a step. You're scared of what's there. You didn't know the, uh, the area and so forth. It was very, very helpless. I never felt so helpless to move or do anything other than just stand there and wait for the moment the lights came on. And I do think it was one of our kids that turned on their flashlight real quick. <laughs> Bring back the light. It makes me think of a verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. And Paul would say this, For ye were sometime darkness. The Bible has a current theme that goes throughout it that you and I were saved out of darkness. 
that you and I were brought out of darkness to the light, right? We, we see that throughout the New Testament, even going back to the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, there's a, there's a statement there. We'll see it in, the, in a moment. We'll look at it. But it makes a, a statement to this effect. Before Christ came, people sat in darkness. They sat in darkness. It's true helplessness. It's true hopelessness. Now, I can only imagine, what if the tour guide, um, <laughs> it'd be something that I would do as a practical joke, what if the tour guide of that cave, when, when we had all the lights turned off and we were standing there in the dark, he said this, well, folks, this ends your tour. Feel free to find the exit and leave. I mean, you think about that. If he said that, he said, and by the way, we're not turning on the lights. Do you realize how helpless we would have been to find the exit? In fact, I would, have still, I would still be there in that cave today. I couldn't find it. It's, it's completely dark. There's no way that I could find my way out, that I could do anything to help myself. And boy, isn't that reminiscent of what Christmas reminds us about ourselves before Christ came? We were in darkness, and we had no strength to escape it. We had no power or ability to get out of that darkness in and of ourselves. You see, we have no fi- way, hope of finding our own way out of the darkness. You know what we need? need? We need a light. We need a light. Last week, as I was preparing, so a week or two ago, as I was preparing for the message last Sunday that we were talking about Zacharias, I, I love reading the, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and John the Baptist, and specifically, some call it a song. I, I think it's at least a praise time, a personal praise time of Zacharias at the end of chapter 1 in Luke. And he gives us this wonderful praise. And in that, we find a very unique name to Jesus Christ. He proclaims that Jesus Christ is going to arrive, that he's here, he's coming, and he does so in a very unique way. Look at Luke chapter 1. We look at verse 78. Okay, Verse 78, long chapter. We come to verse 78. He says this, Zacharias, in the middle of this praise service, or near the end of it, actually, he says this, and I like the statement, through the tender mercy. I like that. Tender mercy. You know what I often think about children? You know what I think about? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind one to another. What's the next word? Tenderhearted, right? Tenderhearted. You know who is tenderhearted to us? Listen, you know what Christmas is about? Jesus, God, having a tender heart towards us. His tender mercy. I like that statement. It's a tender mercy, okay? Notice it, if you will. Uh, We go on, we read the rest of the verse. The tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Now, that's a great statement. I love this title for Jesus Christ. The day spring from on high hath visited us. The Greek word translated as day spring here has a rather robust meaning. It literally means, in part, the rising of the sun. Secondly, the word is also connected to the direction of the east, the direction of east. In fact, in the New Testament, this word, Greek word, is translated multiple times at east. In fact, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 9, it speaks of the wise men who saw the star in the east, right? In the east. The same Greek word here that's translated. So this is the, the unique, the one time that it's translated as day spring in reference to Jesus Christ and crying and, and saying, here's the day spring. Here's the rising of the sun. So literally what you put it all together, what's it a reference to? Well, it's a reference to the morning light, the dawning sun, the sunrise, a sunrise. And that's literally what we have here. Can I just tell you tonight, when Jesus Christ came to earth, 
It was God's best sunrise. The day spring. The springing forth of day. The, the reality that, that the light has come and no more are we in darkness. And that is Zechariah's proclamation here. The light has come. Can I ask you tonight as we reflect on this Christmas of what we have in Jesus Christ, could, could we just think for a moment what you and I enjoy about the morning light? What's so great about a sunrise? Why is this the greatest sunrise to ever grace the earth? We'll look at the next verse. We read just the first statement. He says this, to give light to them that sit in darkness. Again, you'll see this phrase used multiple times throughout the scriptures. We sit in darkness. You see, number one, and three points tonight and we'll be done. It's simply this. When we refer to Jesus Christ as the day spring, he is the light that shines into the utter darkness we find ourselves in. He is the light that shines in that other. We're sitting in darkness. We're standing in darkness. We have no way to help ourselves. And he alone is the light that shines into that darkness. I've told you before, I'm I'm not really a big morning person. I'm waiting for Pastor Tony to say, okay, we're going to split it up. Morning people and night people, amen, and say the verse that way. I'm not a morning person. I don't like waking up when it's dark outside, and uh, I love to stay up. I can do that with the best of them, and uh, that's fun. I enjoy that. I can do that. But waking up before dawn, that ain't my cup of tea. And uh, this past week, uh, little Reed, boy, we went through a time with him throughout the nights. Erica, much more than I, but he kept us awake a lot during several nights. I'll tell you this, this past Wednesday at 2.09 a.m., it was dark outside. I was awake, I looked outside the window, and I was holding Reed or trying to take care of him and things, and it was dark outside. I know it for a fact. Most of the world around me was asleep at the time, and I was awake, thanks to little Reed Daniel. Um, One thing I know, and even in the darkness, I knew that in a few short hours, light would come. The sun would rise. Darkness would disappear. Many of you here, like me, you've stayed up late into the night, and, and you know, or you've had woken up in the night, you know the night and its darkness can be, can be long. There was another night of uh, this week where Erica had already been up for several hours helping Reed uh, through the croup and uh, ear infections, all kinds of things, and she'd been up with him several hours, and then it was my shift. Parents, you know what that's like, right? It's your turn, right? And uh, so I got up and uh, I rocked Reed and it was only about an hour and a half. But I'll tell you right now, in the middle of the night, that hour and a half, a half felt like forever. I rocked that baby there in the darkness and so forth. And as we think of the night, boy, it can seem to last forever. Many of you here, like me, you've, you've worked a job where you've worked the graveyard shift. Like 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., something like that, and you know the light can be long. If you've ever stayed up, and many here, maybe you've stayed up at night worrying over a sick child. Maybe you've been concerned about a loved one that's on their deathbed or going through a difficult health situation. You've worried about them. You've stayed up, and maybe you've been consumed with thoughts of your circumstances. Maybe, you know, the future. You're worried about the future. You know how long the night can last, how long the darkness can be there. If you've ever driven through the night, isn't it the, the worst, those last couple of hours before sunrise? Boy, you're driving all night, and boy, yeah, just a couple more hours before sunrise, but they seem to last forever. But then you know what happens. The sun breaks over the edge of the trees of the horizon there on the east, and the darkness doesn't seem nearly as formidable. It's terrible. 
as sinners, mankind found himself in, in a darkness that was long and it threatened, don't miss it, this darkness threatened to last forever. But then aren't you glad God's sunrise came to Bethlehem? The sunrise, the day spring. You know, there's three things we can say sum up well or describes the light for us and what it accomplished. And this is true for us spiritually. You see, when, when the light shines, we see everything differently. Isn't that true? Hey, hey children, you've been in your room and you think there's a, there, there's a monster there, there's a boogeyman there, and, and mom and dad, they come and switch on the light, and boy, it puts everything in a new light, we would say, right, as the old term says. It, it, it makes everything look different. Man, aren't you thankful that when Jesus Christ came, it changed how we see everything? And the reality of our future and the reality of our sins and the consequences and such. Number two, when the light shines, boy, our problems don't seem so large and overwhelming. Before Jesus Christ came, before you and I were introduced to the day spring, can I tell you, our greatest problem was our sin problem. And we were devastated, unable to do anything about it. We were in utter darkness. But then the light came. Day spring. The sunrise of God shone upon us and the world. Number three, uh, when the light shines, we gain courage to keep on going on. You ever been driving? And you're driven through the night, and you're like, man, I can't make it any longer. I can't do anything. It's so dark. I'm about to fall asleep. And then, boy, sunrise finally comes, and the, the sun shows up. And, boy, all of a sudden, you're like, I'm invigorated. I can go. And it didn't even take a Dr. Pepper or a Red Bull, okay? And it's just the sunrise coming up. And, boy, you're now saying, okay, now I can drive. Now I can go. It's funny how the light encourages us to keep on going. Can I just tell you right now, there are many people who are about to despair of life to the point where they will take their very own life. Can I tell you right now, Jesus Christ can make all the difference. The day spring. The light shows up and it can chase away the darkness. It can, it, it, it can relieve us and redeem us and it can shine into the utter darkness of our lives. You see, Christ is that light. When he came, he did all of these things for each one of us. He came to chase away the darkness, to shine in our darkest places. And I like that. He came to shine in the darkest places of, all, of our lives. And what's the darkest, places of our, the darkest place excuse me, of our lives? That's our sins. That light, that God's sunrise in Bethlehem, paid for our sins. He forgives our sins forever. You know, the t few times that I've been up at sunrise and whether that's outside, I've been through a couple teen activities where we stayed up all night and things like that, and I've driven through the night like many of you. And you know what I always enjoy? If I'm up for a sunrise, and I've been up early before, I remember paper routes. <laughs> Kids, you don't know much about that, but uh, my brother and I, we both had paper routes. And uh, I remember, uh, <laughs> going back, I remember my brother had one, and, and uh, he delivered in several big areas and so forth, and we did so by car. And I remember helping him on the day before Thanksgiving and the day of Thanksgiving. And do you folks remember how big the papers were? used to be with all the flyers on Thanksgiving the day before Thanksgiving. I remember being up at 3 o'clock in the morning, helping them put them together and uh, going out and deliver them. And you know what I remember? I, I just love it. I love it when sunrise happens. And I just love looking at the sun and allowing its warmth to shine upon me. In other words, setting my face to the sunrise. I like that. I like how one 19th century preacher put it. He said this, the Bible says God will forgive many times over. At your first cry, he will bend down from his throne to the depths of your degradation. Put 
your face to the sunrise. Can I tell you right now, there's a whole lot of people in this world that need to put their face to the sunrise. They need to experience what the day spring can do for them as you and I have enjoyed. And there's times even when you and I, and in these moments where we feel like failures, when we feel like we faltered, when we've certainly sinned and we've, we've done wrong, boy, it sure is good to put our face to the sunrise, knowing that He, knowing that he came to forgive us. You see, Christmas reminds us that God's best sunrise has appeared, and it invites us even this Christmas to put our face to God's best sunrise. Enjoy the light of Jesus Christ today. Would you be thankful tonight for the the sunrise this Christmas? There's something else that Zacharias points out, certainly the Holy Spirit, as he led Zacharias in his praise service. Something that he says about this light, this day spring. See, number one, not only does it shine into the utter darkness we find ourselves in, but number two... He is the, uh, well, let's look, verse, let's look at verse 79. We'll read it. It says this, to give to the light to them that sit in darkness. And notice this statement, and in the shadow of death. So number one, it, it chases away us it, to those who are sitting in utter darkness. He comes to us. But number two, he is the light that chases away the shadow of death that haunts us. Chases away the shadow of death that haunts us. You see, we're overshadowed. We are engulfed within the shadow of death. It's inescapable in our own power. But shadows can be chased away. They can be abolished. How do shadows be, how are they vanquished? Well, you get a really good light, correct? When you're in a place where the lighting's really good, when it's the best, when it shines from all around, when it's the, the, the greatest light you can imagine, the shadow is chased away. It is completely vanquished. And may I just tell you tonight, there's no better light than Jesus Christ. He chases away every shadow, including the shadow of death, as is mentioned here. And as that light came to earth, Zacharias prophesied what? He will give light to all those that find themselves in the shadow of death. Can I just tell you right now, aren't you thankful that you have escaped from the shadow of death? You've done so through Jesus Christ. The light, the day spring that came, the God's sunrise that arrived in Bethlehem that day so many years ago. You see, unlike the sun and the light of this world, they eventually go away. The shadows return, the darkness returns, but Jesus Christ, our light, he shines eternally. I love what he himself said about himself. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And that terminology there literally speaks to everlasting. The light is everlasting. Once the shadow of death is chased away by the light of Jesus Christ in your life, you never have to fear the shadow of death again. Now, can I tell you, that makes for a great Christmas, doesn't it? When we rejoice and celebrate over the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth to chase away the shadow of death for us forever. The darkness and shadow of death that haunts every sinner is vanquished forever by the light of Jesus Christ. And I like the terminology in, the te- in this verse and other verses like at the New Testament. We f- will forever walk in the light of Christ. Remember me quoting Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16? It's an interesting little passage. It speaks of those people sitting in darkness. But it also speaks of them sitting in the shadow of death. That chapter in Matthew chapter 4, it deals and is speaking of Jesus Christ. And now his ministry took him to different places there within Israel. And as he went and, and preached the truth, as he went in different places, he was fulfilling a prophecy. Turn with me there, if you will. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. Keep your spot here. We'll be right back. Matthew chapter 4. Look at verses uh, 12 through 16, if you will. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, it says uh, this. In fact, I'm sorry, let's pick up verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Notice this statement. And leaving Nazareth, he came and he dwelled in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, and the borders of Zabulon and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled. Now, that's interesting, right? Just his, his progression geographically now is fulfilling some prophecies. It's saying some things about Jesus Christ that he traveled on all these places. And the Bible's telling you, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, this fulfilled some prophecies. Notice what it says. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, that's his Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Isn't that a neat statement? What is he called? The day spring. Here it says, listen, light is sprung up. Uh, light is sprung up. And I like that, that, that picture, okay? Now, on my phone, I have a, a weather app like many of you do. And I can look at that weather app and it will actually tell me, hey, the sunrise is coming. In fact, it will tell me the time. You know what's depressing? It says the sunrise tomorrow is going to be at 8 a.m. Many of us will be up well before that, right? Okay. Or at least a little bit before that. Okay, 8 a.m., the sunrise is coming. That's what my phone says. Now, that's not always correct, but it tells us that the sunrise is coming, right? You know what's interesting about this passage in Matthew chapter 4? It's quoting a prophecy of Isaiah. You're not Isaiah saying in the prophecy, don't miss it. He's saying the light's going to spring up. The sunrise is coming. Now, he doesn't put a time on it. He doesn't say, okay, it's going to happen here. But he does say, listen, the day spring's coming. The light is coming. God's sunrise, God's best sunrise is coming. Now, here's the, here's the neat thing. You know what passage that's from in Isaiah? It's a Christmas passage. It is Isaiah chapter number 9. Look with me there, if you will. Isaiah chapter number 9, in verse number 1, we'll read. And then the most familiar verses, 6 and 7, we'll arrive at those in a moment. Notice what Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 say. It's interesting, okay, it's Matthew's quoting that. This is a Christmas passage. This is about Jesus Christ coming to Bethlehem and people sitting in darkness, people sitting under the shadow of death, and we come to this. Notice the reference to darkness. Notice the reference to dimness in this passage. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first... Uh, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people, notice here's the quote in Matthew 4, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the days of Midian. For every battle of the warrior um, is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Verse 6, here's the prophecy, the Christmas passage. For unto us... His child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. 
And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David uh, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I like that last statement. I sure do like zeal. I like people who get excited about things. I, I like people who are passionate about things, okay? I, I'm a 110% kind of guy. I mean, I, I like getting excited. I like having zeal about things. And, and boy, I like having my heart in things. I like when it says, this is the zeal of the Lord that will perform this. I like to think that Jesus Christ, that God in heaven were excited that Jesus Christ and God in heaven were passionate about Jesus Christ coming to earth and being the day spring that you and I need. The light that shines into our darkness. I love the description here. What does it say? The people that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the shadow of the death, upon them the light has shined. May I just tell you uh, this evening, we are those people. Every one of us are those people. We are the ones that have walked in darkness before we knew Jesus Christ. We were the dwellers in the land of the shadow of death. But we rejoice this Christmas. And I love that statement throughout that passage about joy. We rejoice as in the day of harvest, as in those who split up the spoil. We have the blessings of God. The light has shone into our darkness. It has chased away the shadow of death. And so we have great reasons to rejoice this Christmas. We have seen the great light. We have seen the day spring from on high that has shined upon us. We have enjoyed it. And to that I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is Christmas. Oh, Christmas reminds us how we were in utter darkness, how helpless we are, certainly. And we ought to reflect on that this Christmas, but we also ought to rejoice in the reality that the day spring has come. God's best sunrise has shown up. And in a long night, in a long evening where he's toiled and where things have happened, where we can't get out of the darkness ourselves, I sure am grateful when the sun rises, when the dawning light comes. And so it has for you and I. He has chased away the shadows of death that have haunted us as sinners. This is what Christmas reminds us of. But there's one last thing, and we're done in Luke chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit leads Zacharias to tell us. Look at the last part of verse 79. The day spring mentioned in verse 78, from on high, Jesus Christ, he's visited us, Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness, and to give light into the shadow of death that sit in the shadow of the death. Notice this last statement, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So he shines into the utter darkness we find ourselves in. He, he chases away the shadow of death that haunts us. And then number three, he is the light. The day spring that guides our steps in the path of peace on this journey called life. You know, walking on a path in the dark sure can be dangerous, can it? Uh, this week, there's a few times where I was walking through our room or our house in the dark. And do you ever step on things? Do you ever run into things and you think, I don't think that was there last time I was there? But darkness has caused you to walk into it. You step on things. It's treacherous, right? And uh, we would not call it this. When you walk around your house in the dark, or maybe you're outside in the dark, and you're stepping on things, hitting things, and so forth, we would not call that a peaceful walk. Amen? It's not a peaceful walk. But turn on the light. Shed some light on the scene, and it makes all the difference in the world. 
And my friend, can I tell you tonight, you and I ought to be very thankful that Jesus Christ is the sunrise that God brought to our lives because it helps us to walk this path called life in peace. In peace. He guides us in the ways of peace, the, the paths of peace, even as this verse states it. He guides our feet into the way of peace. You see, the spiritual path certainly before us is dark and dangerous. It's truly impassable. But Jesus Christ came as the light that guides our feet, and it's His guidance that leads us into the way of peace, not only in salvation, but on a day-to-day basis. Now, think about this, will you? Okay, I often think of our teenagers and our college age when we think of this. Okay, God guides us, and He provides that guidance, and certainly that's true. When we often think about God's guidance, we think of the decisions of life, the big-time decisions of life. In other words, we think of making the right decision. Okay, where do I go to school? What's my occupation? Who am I going to marry? Uh, uh, how am I supposed to serve the Lord in the local church or the ministry? We, we think about these things, and, and those are good. Those are, those are right. However, let's not forget this. When we talk about God being our guide, he is certainly there for those decisions and has much to guide us and direct us in those things. But the sort of guidance Christ provides goes far beyond that celestial career counseling program. It goes far beyond that. You see, I'm sure and thankful that Jesus Christ is with us every day. He guides us through the darkest moments. Some within our church this year have gone through some dark moments financially, health-wise, different things that they have faced, some dark moments. Maybe some relationship issues and problems and things. They've gone through some dark moments. But aren't you grateful that Christ can guide us on the path of peace even in the midst of those things? He's there to hold our hand, to take us by the hand, to give us strength to face the most difficult circumstances. You know what else he does? Don't miss this. Part of the guidance of Jesus Christ, he gives us joy when we would otherwise take up residence in the valley of despair or the valley of depression. It's God's guidance. It's the, it's the arrival of the day spring. It's the, the arrival of God's best sunrise in our lives that now guides us into the way of peace, that helps us through the, the, the most difficult, the most challenging times of life. When you and I would give up, we would take up residence in the valley of despair, the valley of depression. He says, no, 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 no. Let me give you joy in spite of that. I'll give you strength. I'll give you grace. I'll guide you in the way of peace. And that sounds hard to believe. But isn't the peace that Jesus brings, isn't it described as the peace that passes all understanding? It means that a believer has something this world doesn't have. Oh, it doesn't mean we don't have the conflicts, we don't have the struggles, we don't have the challenges of life. It doesn't mean that you and I are in paradise or heaven yet. There's a newsflash, Christian. God did not promise this life would be heaven on earth. But God did say one day you'll escape earth to go to heaven. So understand that heaven's not coming to earth, but you can still have peace here on earth through Jesus Christ. That's the day spring. That's what Christ came to give us. You and I have a peace that the world can't, uh, can't understand. They don't have. They can't duplicate it. They can never take it away. They can never buy it. You know what this peace does? And here's the, the reality of even what's spoken here in Isaiah chapter 9. You see, the peace that passes all understanding is what opens the door to joy, taking up residence in the bleakest of times. 
I was thinking of some of the songs we, we have in our Christmas that came upon a midnight clear and the bleak winter's night, right? The bleakest of times, the, the darkest midnight. Jesus Christ shows up and my friend, he guides us into the way of peace. He is the day spring. He is the light that shines upon you and I. Buckingham Palace in England. They've carried on a tradition that dates all the way back to medieval times, likely even before. Uh, it's one that I am familiar with because I like castles in medieval time and the dark ages and such as that. But they have carried on this tradition. You see, when the king or the reigning British sovereign, a queen or whoever, is in residence within Buckingham Palace, the flag known as the Royal Standard of the United Kingdom is flown. So when they're in residence, they'll, they'll put up the, this royal standard of the United Kingdom is flown. The Union Jack is flown, uh, other, or the, 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 excuse me, their other flag is flown at other times. And, uh, but when they're in residence, the sovereign, the king, the queen is in residence in the Buckingham Palace, they'll throw up the flag. So when the king and queen's living there, taking up residence, the flag is flown. That, that would happen in medieval times. When the, when the lord of the manor would come back, the lord of the castle, often the flags would be raised up to show everybody around and the, uh, the vassals and everybody else in that area that, the, hey, the king had returned or the lord had returned uh, there. And so it, it would show that they had taken up residence. Now listen to me. That is a fantastic picture of what happens when Christ comes into life and makes, makes it his own. When he shines his light. You see, how's that a picture? Here's the truth. Don't miss it. Peace and joy are the flags flown from the castle of the heart when the king of kings and the lord of lords takes up residence there. See, those are the flags for you and I in our lives. The, the, the peace and the joy when Jesus Christ has taken up residence. When the day spring has showed up and shined into our lives because we have taken him as our savior. Now, may I just remind you right now, what biblical peace is? See, biblical peace, don't miss this. Biblical peace is not the absence of conflict and struggle. That's not biblical peace. Study it throughout the scriptures and you'll find out. When God says, I'll give you peace, he doesn't say I'm going to take you out of every problem, every, every issue, every circumstance, every struggle in life, every conflict in life. When we use the term modernly, and I was speaking about this in Sunday school today, when we use the, the term modernly, we'll say pray for peace in the Middle East. What do we mean? Well, we want the Israelites and we want Hamas to gather around a fire and sing Kumbaya. Lay down their guns. Stop taking hostages. We want there to be complete, no conflict and no struggle over there. Can I just tell you right now, that's not biblical peace. God doesn't say, I'm going to take you out of the conflict. I'm going to take you out of the struggle. I'm going to, I'm going to remove you from this situation. No, that's not what biblical peace is. You know what it is? Biblical peace is stability and joy in the face of conflict and struggle. In spite of those things still happening, hardships of life in our life, God says, I'm going to give you a peace that passes all understanding. Hence, it's, wait a minute, how, how, how do you still have joy? How do you live a life that's full of peace? Here's how, because I know the day spring, the prince of peace. And he rules and reigns in my life. He has taken up residence. And if that's the case, my friend, the flags are up. I have joy, I have peace, and no circumstances are going to take it away. No situation I find is going to take it away because my day spring has provided. My relationship with my God and my Savior has procured for me peace and joy. 
this Christmas. Maybe there's some things going on in your life and you say, I, I just don't feel like I have peace and joy. Can I just encourage you to do one simple thing? Would you turn your face to the sunrise this morning, this evening? Would you turn your face to the sunrise? Would you realize what you have in the day spring known as Jesus Christ? Would you allow him to bring back that light that brings salvation, that brings peace, that brings joy that this world could never offer? You know what I find? The world right now thinks, don't miss it, joy can be found under a tree. There's a whole lot of people that think joy is going to come in just six days, seven days, or uh, eight days when they start opening presents and they, they, they think the material things of this earth are going to provide joy. Can I tell you, my friend, joy is not found under the tree. It's found upon the one who hung on a tree. He brings joy. He brings peace when nothing else can. And it is a peace that passes all understanding. It is a joy that can fill your heart in the most bleakest of times. Can I encourage you tonight? As we enter this invitation, you take some time and you thank God for the wonderful light He's provided that has done so much for us. You see, Christ, our day spring, has shined into the utter darkness in which we were lost. He has chased away the shadow of death that haunted us, as only He can. He has guided our steps in the paths of peace, continues to do so, and the joy in this journey called life. My friend, this Christmas, we have reason to sing joy to the world because the Day spring has come. God's best sunrise showed up in Bethlehem. Is he shining in your life tonight? Father, we thank you for your word. We are grateful for it. I'm challenged by it, encouraged by it, Father. It's, it's a wonderful reminder of what we have in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you'd help us now, even in this invitation. I pray that it'd be a time of reflection, a time of allowing you to, uh, Lord, remind us of what we have in Christ. And Father, maybe some have allowed the darkness of this world to steal their joy, to steal their peace, and the darkness of sin to, to steal it. May we be reminded even, Lord, this evening, may we be reminded of who we have and what we have in our day spring. And Father, I pray we turn our face to the sunrise this Christmas. We rejoice in our gift from heaven that has done so much for us. Father, we are grateful that Jesus Christ came to us who sat in darkness. Father, to those of us who were under the overwhelming shadow of death. And Father, we're grateful that Jesus Christ came to guide us in the way of peace. May we look to his leadership. May he take up residence in our lives and may it show through in the peace and the joy we display day in and day out. Help us to be all that you would have us to be through your grace and strength. With heads back.